Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Talkin' Fox, the show where we talk about Wes Anderson's Fantastic Mr. Fox, one minute at a time, also known as Fantastic Minute for our old listeners. For our new listeners, we're a show that likes Wes Anderson's 2009 animated film. I'm Tyler Boudreaux. I'm Condra Boudreaux. We're here to talk about Minute 66 of Fantastic Mr. Fox, which begins with a motorcycle going through a tunnel, and it ends with Kylie, Fox, and Ash. Uh, about to break into being annex and condor we've got a guest on this minute uh, please welcome listeners uh with your applause from uh the future niall mcgowan from bat minute uh, hello hey how are you <laughs> uh i'm good thanks for coming on niall oh thanks for thanks for having me always happy to i'm always happy to talk about anything so yeah, uh, <laughs> particularly wes anderson oh. movies the first opportunity i've had to do that on in a movies by minute format. Well, that's wonderful then. Thank you for coming on. Yeah, I guess the place to start would be, uh, yeah, what's your history with Fantastic Mr. Fox or Wes Anderson? We like to kind of just put that up front to kind of get get started. Well, I mean, like I, I like Wes Anderson from like way back uh, from like Rushmore times. Like I was I remember yeah. seeing that in VHS shortly after it came out. So I was very much enraptured with him. And then, like, Royal Tenenbaums was, like, a big, relatively big hit, in the UK at least, anyway. Uh, and I remember that getting a lot of traction. And um, played, like, when we got uh, satellite television, uh, and it was on the movie channels. We're like, oh, my God, we got these movie channels. The Royal Tenenbaums is on 15 times a day. This is crazy and stuff. <laughs> uh, and then... Um, I think Fantastic Mr. Fox, I actually... I think I didn't see that in the cinema... Uh, I think I saw that it was on its like home release, but uh, every other time I've um, every other time I've been to a Wes Anderson movie in the cinema, it's always like a part of ill tidings. So uh, thankfully, because I, I think like before Moonrise Kingdom, I twisted my ankle, so I went like hobbling into the <laughs> cinema to see it that time. Uh, I remember during uh, well, it wasn't all that much of an ill tiding for the Grand Budapest Hotel. But I remember I went in there, and I usually I bring a bottle of water into the cinema with me because um, I just get thirsty very easily. And I remember I didn't have it that time. I was like, oh, I'll just go out and buy buy some water. And it was two pounds for a bottle of water. And it was it so outraged me that I, I, to this day I remember that. Uh, <laughs> and then I think with Isle of Dogs, it was an unfortunate incident where the cinema was too warm. And so I nearly kept going like nodding off during it. Uh, and so I was there. I was there on a date, uh, but to keep awake, I had to sit biting my my arm. Uh, and so I was just hoping the rest of the afternoon she didn't notice the bite marks that were all up and down my arm because I didn't want to nod off in the middle of the friggin' movie. So uh, uh, that is a that is an interesting story. <laughs> but so I'm just like, oh, what whatever Wes Anderson's got up his sleeve now. I was like, oh, I can't wait to see what's going to happen when I go to the cinema for that one. It's it's interesting because Wes Anderson himself. Uh, his films often capture a, a balance between humor and seriousness that kind of seems to accompany your experience with going to see his films. <laughs> I don't think, uh, although I do like, uh, much like Wes Anderson himself, I appreciate like a fine tailored tweed jacket, but uh, I don't know if I looked <laughs> as cool as any of his characters going in while these things happened. But my, like, obviously, because actually, I don't know, have you had any outside the US guests on? before this or i believe you're the first one okay because i know fantastic mr fox the story and roll Dahl in general is always very associated with sort of englishness over 
because I grew up in Ireland, but I'm living in England at the minute. And I know a lot of people, like, they kind of really hold Roald Dahl close as a, as a very English kind of thing. Uh, and I do, my, I have a friend of mine, Marion, who grew up in the, like, little, grew up in a little cottage in the English countryside. And I remember when Fantastic Mr. Fox came out, she was sort of enraged by it. Because she's like, well, it's Amer- they're George Clooney's Mr. Fox. Like, Mr. Fox is English. Like, she had this real thing. It's like, this is a, it's a story set in the English countryside. You can't get all these American actors in for it. And so she had, like, I think almost like, you know, people got outraged about uh, Isle of Dogs and stuff by having, like, American actors in a movie set in Japan. She had the same thing, like, ten years prior with, about this movie. Oh, that's, yeah, that's funny. Yeah, Condra, I'm going to defer to you on the uh, the legacy of the book. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> what about? <laughs> I don't know. You read. I do read. I mean, I think Roald Dahl has definitely, like, he is a well-known British author and, like, still holds that crown even over here kind of thing. But I actually was kind of curious about um, the the kind of British perspective of this movie for those reasons, like using all American actors and like, yeah, Wes did research over in um, the UK and like that we were talking a few weeks ago, um, Great Harrisford Square is based off of Bath, but we always get this confused, like, where does this movie take place? It's in this ambiguous time. How British is this movie? Because the book is just so incredibly British. Yeah, yeah. Well, did they, they shot it in London. Am I wrong? The studio? I'm, am I confusing... Wes Anderson with Jim Henson? I think you might be, Tyler. <laughs> I'm not 100% on that, though. I feel like Wes shoots, shoots in England. I don't know. I can attempt to look it up really quick. Yeah, But yeah, I guess, Niall, to kind of address your point, I, it, it is similar to Isle of Dogs, where only the animals are the American ones. The uh, the humans are have their British accents and stuff, I think. Mm, yeah. So I think it it's just kind of making that dichotomy between opposite forces like like film has been doing for years uh i'm thinking of the traditional kind of sword and sandals film where the uh the romans are always played by british people but kind of slave gladiator spartacus class is always played by americans yeah <laughs> and nowadays it's uh if you need someone evil get a british person in like that's a yeah, british exactly. people sound evil i mean like you know, yeah. i'm from ireland too i can support that like oh yeah english people are evil <laughs> we all know that over there i mean you even have like the star wars folks um a lot of the deck like the imperial officers and yeah, stuff Peter are around. Cushing. it's weird now watching modern star wars for me because a lot like i know back in the day people who saw like empire strikes back when it came out were like oh admiral is that guy from grange hill like they they all knew him from being like british actors Whereas, like, I obviously I saw Empire Strikes Back first, so it, it meant, meant nothing to me outside the movie. Uh, whereas now, like, I watched The Last Jedi, and I was like, that's Adrian Edmondson. He's an Imperial officer? What the hell? Like, what, that's weird. <laughs> like, seeing a guy I know as, like, a silly British actor. I don't know why. You think, oh, you, you know, if he's an actor like any other actor, you shouldn't have that trouble just adjusting to him in a part. But for some reason with Star Wars, it's always slightly different. It's always like, this is a person I know, and he's in Star Wars. What the hell's going on? Um, Tyler, to answer your question, yes, the filming location was in London. Boom. Nailed it. Okay. I feel like yeah, London is a very, like, claymation-friendly town. Oh, for sure, yeah. Yeah, the whole Nick Nick Park empire uh, built up around here, so. 
Okay, let's talk about minute 66 uh, for once. Execute minute 66. <laughs> oh, yes, thank you. Uh, I, I forgot that that was an obligatory joke for all Movies by Minute podcasts. I was on a, I was on a different podcast where we forgot to do that. Oh, no, 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 no. When I was on um, Open the Podcast Doors, Hal, we, we did minute 94, and we forgot to make a 94 joke. Okay, anyway, <laughs> minute 66. We got Fox and Kylie riding the motorcycle in the sidecar through the countryside. My favorite part was when they went under a tunnel, and that seems some, like it was really cool to animate that. Uh, your, your guys' thoughts on riding a motorcycle? Uh, well, I was actually... Because I've, I've rewatched the movie in anticipation of this. But I was like, is this his motorbike then? That he ha- he just happened to have this replica motorbike of a bigger <laughs> motorbike hidden behind that motorbike. Is that Was that what we're, we're supposed to think was going on? I think it's really up for speculation. We've, we were trying to figure out who creates all of these miniature electronics and mo- motorized vehicles for the critters because they we've seen like a Walkman earlier and then the motorcycle here and just yeah it it's very unclear why there's a mini motorcycle other than it's a hilarious gag that they have a miniature <laughs> motorcycle I mean it, it works like in terms of the the character at least because then you see when you see the the license plate for you know Mr for Foxy it's ME which is like all oh, the personalized license plate Place that just says me, which would indicate that like he's very self. At least in the beginning of the movie, he was very self-involved and much more out for just like his own kicks rather than thinking about people beyond himself. So you know that that wasn't what they were intending there. That's very nicely done. Yeah, what I was going to say is I think the surreal humor that we see in the film, like uh, when Mister Fox says uh, you're practically glowing, and then we see Felicity glowing. So the the surreal humor not only leaks into the the film w- visually with jokes like that, but it's now leaking into the plot itself, <laughs> and it becomes very big later with the uh, we'll talk about the uh, the ramp they use to get out of Bean's property. Mm. But the idea that Wes Anderson uses the format, which he wouldn't be able to do in live action, to play with what is and isn't possible in the world is great to me. I, I don't. I, I think it's perfect use of genre, like subverting expectations with genre expect. I don't know, something like that. Fancy yeah. words that sound smart. <laughs> um, I do like the the contrast as well. He says when um, when the you know, the opossums like, oh, do you are you are you scared of wolves? And he's like, no, of course not. I have a phobia of them. As if like there's a difference between <laughs> being scared of it and having a phobia of it. It's almost like the difference between like being sad and being depressed like yeah. <laughs> fox fox knows that like i'm not scared because scared would imply irrationality uh i'm just like if I, if a wolf showed up i would be deadly afraid like i would be mortified but that's different from being scared in his eyes yeah mm. or it's just mr fox being cocky and saying uh trisyllabic words <laughs> Do you guys have any personal phobias, or have you discussed it on air already? I'm assuming that's the thing. A phobia of wolves seems quite okay to me, because like, yeah, if a wolf showed up, I think I'll be pretty like, okay, let's let's all right, we're going to take this seriously. <laughs> but uh, do you have any illogical phobias yourselves? I know when I was little, I was like deadly afraid of fire. Oh. Now my phobias are a lot more like 
abstract and like any Gen Z slash millennial, I, I fear commitment and rising debt and all the fun things in the planet. <laughs> <laughs> I have the... Uh... I, I just have the general social social phobia of everyone hates me behind my back. Mm, yeah. We're cool, relatable <laughs> kids here. <laughs> I personally don't have this phobia, but I do know a girl who has a phobia of beans, which links quite well into this movie, actually, I guess. <laughs> but she has like literally like baked beans. I, I remember in university with her, if, you, if she saw them, she would kind of get like... Like, it was almost as if she was having a bit of a panic attack and stuff. And, and again, too, you're like, well, why are you, you know, why are you afraid of this? And she's like, it's not a logical thing. It's a phobia. It's just like it's inbuilt that they just freak me out when I see them and stuff. And uh, But I haven't seen her in a couple of years. I wonder if she ever got over that. Hmm. But it was a, it, 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 it seems like that's a thing that you would, you'd need to get out of your life. Because, like, if you're just out, in a, out somewhere and Is someone's it- having to play the beans, you're pretty screwed. Is it all beans, is or is it just like baked beans? Because I'm thinking like pinto beans, garbanzo beans, chickpeas, Sean Bean, Mister Bean. <laughs> as far as I could tell, it was baked beans, and I could okay. almost understand it because they gross me out. I don't like baked beans in general. If people listen to my guest spot on Watchmen Minute because we had the uh, the minute where Rorschach's eating the beans out of the can. <laughs> And I yeah. was disgusted when they gave me that. I was like, oh, my God, it's like the worst minute you could give me. But uh, So I don't like them, but she was, like, properly terrified of them. Like, people used to, like, take out cans just to wind her up and stuff. That's like, it was, mean. <laughs> it was mean, yeah. The, it was almost, some people were like, just to prove, like, is this real? Just, like, a, a, a sealed tin of baked beans. And she'd be like, all right, okay, get that away from me. Like, it's... It was a very, very strange thing. But So we also learned that Kylie doesn't like Thunder... Condra, what, what were you going to say? Well, just to think really quickly about the phobia versus scared and, like, Mr. Fox trying to be fancy. It's the same thing with his watch. Like, he's just spinning something that would hypothetically seem fancier than it actually is. Yeah, he he's so obsessed with being the quote-unquote fantastic Mr. Fox that... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I just had thought about that. Um, yeah, but then he fear shames Kylie. How dare he? <laughs> I... I think the joke there is that, like, everyone's irrational fear is only irrational to other people. But to yourself, it's reasonable. Mm. That's the joke to me. (laughs) Yes, but Kylie deserves better. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I also then love the <laughs> delivery, though. The character names always escape me, but the, I can't want to call him Jason Schwartzman, even though it's like, oh, it's this, <laughs> it's a little puppet that's voiced by Jason Schwartzman. But uh, but yeah, he's like, you know, oh, I'm scared of needles myself. But there's something about the delivery, you know, Foxy has of this, you know, how'd you get in the sidecar again? I feel like I'm losing my mind. Like, I don't, <laughs> for some reason, I don't know what that that line makes me laugh every time. There's something about it that I find inherently funny. I mean, we can harp on it, but... Uh farcical george clooney is might be better than dramatic george clooney george clooney is hilarious i mean we'll be talking about him quite a bit in in batman in uh about two years time because oh, no. oh, he's not okay he's not hilarious in that movie <laughs> he's not hilarious in it because he's clearly the best batman so yeah we'll, we'll dig into that when we get to it yeah put it on the bat credit card <laughs> but genuinely how did ash get in that sidecar <laughs> oh yeah good question was he hiding in it and then yeah, it's, it's, it, it could be some of a, a slight indication of his uh his, his hidden athleticism 
that he managed to get into oh, that oh, oh. Uh, sidecar without anyone seeing him. And why did he choose this time to pop up? Like, <laughs> what was he waiting for? How did Kylie not see him? I guess maybe at this point, he's, like, if he got on, if he said something earlier, they might have been, like, close enough to home to be like, no, get out. But now that they're on the road quite a bit, he's like, I should let them know that I am here before we get there so they can get used to the idea that I'm here. So it's just like, yeah, midway. Okay, no, yeah, I'm here, by the way. So there may, there may have been a, a thought process behind it. And to go back to the kind of uh, surrealism idea, like the audience doesn't need to know how Ash got there. What's It's perfectly in character for him to have snuck along because he did it earlier. Mm-hmm. And asking the question is going too far. I really, really love his uh, tube sock bandit hat, though. Oh, and his his science goggles, goggles. Ah, <laughs> I haven't seen. Has anyone ever done like a cosplay of Ash? Because it just seems like that would be that'd be up there. Like that's a pretty. I don't know if it's an iconic costume, but it's a memorable one at least. Seems like one you could like would be very easy to do yourself. Like uh, I have trouble with like costumes and cosplaying because I was I was like I can't make outfits. Like I have no talent for creativity but something like that is just like uh you just wear a towel as a cape and like a tube sock hat and you're you're good (laughs) i did a quick look up and i do i am seeing people cosplay as ash both like adult people and then also babies and oh nice one there's some quality cosplay (laughs) i mean depending on how into uh like the animalization you get it would just be a fun costume like a family costume to like the dad wears like a tweed jacket and the mom if we're assuming heteronormative relationships wears like the flower dress and then the kid wears the white cape outfit mm. i don't know yeah you, you you you've sparked my curiosity with that nile thank you yeah gonna have a easy halloween costume for you guys this year if you can wrangle like a kid into being the into being ash for you Oh, I'd go as Christofferson. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> or Phil the Mole. I feel like Phil the Mole's outfit is iconic enough that I could wear that. Get some snazzy suspenders. <laughs> if I'm Bogus, does that mean I can eat four chickens at every meal? You know, Ty, I, mean, I feel like you don't not do that anyways. I mean, it's such an unhealthy <laughs> Halloween, though. If you're like, oh, I've got all this, all the, the sweets and candy and stuff, but I also have to eat four chickens for every meal. <laughs> You'd be pulling a real Daniel Day-Lewis and really getting into your role. <laughs> okay, other things that happen. Uh, we, we cut up to the uh, the helicopter looking down. Uh, I, I This is the line delivery that gets me this, this minute. He's like, uh, I've got a fox and an opossum and a smaller fox riding in a motorcycle. Does that mean anything to anyone? <laughs> <laughs> and for a second, too, I thought um, when I heard it that it might have been uh, Taika Watiki doing the voice. Because it sounds a bit like him, if you know, oh like that voice gosh. from like Thor Ragnarok. It I was like, "Is that him?" I didn't. I didn't. I don't hear like the uh, the New Zealand accent there. I thought it. Yeah, it was, I thought it was him doing like a Russian accent, and then I looked it up, and it's like, no, it's just some guy. <laughs> it's, it's, I think this is his only credit as all. Well. <laughs> Did you take note of which guy? Because uh, I, I'm gonna look that up right now. So Tyler, can... that's your one job. Well, see, the problem is I don't realize when we like. At this point in the movie, I keep forgetting that like new people are coming up because we're so late in the movie that it's it seems weird that there would be new people. His name is Red. I'm going to guess it's this character named Pilot, and it, that is Rob Herzov, who 
I'm seeing literally doesn't have any other IMDb credits. Yeah. I was thinking like might, he might have been like a sound department guy Wait. or like one of the animators, but like not even that. <laughs> like he is just some man. What was that name? I recognize that name. Werner Herzog is his name. Where did I just read that? That's super weird. Werner Herzog. <laughs> Not, I'm, I'm, okay, I'm joking. It's Rob Herzog, uh, <laughs> which does sound like Werner Herzog. If you, I think I wouldn't have, If you told me it was Werner Herzog, I'd be like, all right, I could, I, I'd buy him doing that. Like that's, that seems <laughs> up his alley. <laughs> that would be the greatest Werner Herzog cameo of all time. <laughs> It's like I've see, I've seen that documentary of Werner Herzog eating his own shoe. It's like anything. If you told me he did anything now, I'm like, yep, all right. That sounds, that sounds like something you do. His name is Red. Farmer Bean says his name is Red. Bean tells him to like get on back here. So presumably, so Bean and the rest can go to Bean's facility to catch Mister Fox. Yeah, and it's cuss number thirty. Get the cuss back here. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, we we do a cuss count on this podcast, um, Niall. So this is cuss number thirty. That was one of my again. Like I think I mentioned this off mic, but yeah, people uh, cuss is a thing I tried to work into uh, season one of that minute to so we wouldn't swear. Uh, but I was the only person doing it, unfortunately. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, people listen to that. You might hear me say cluster cuss and things like that quite a few times. <laughs> but it, it became a, a favorite of uh, mine recently in that in tying into this show actually because i know you guys a couple of weeks back you had on sean german yep yep and um you know when people are watching things you can put up on facebook like oh so and so is watching this and um sean and me had a facebook interaction where he put up like oh sean german is watching fantastic mr fox and i just came in with the natural <laughs> response to it is it was just the cuss you are and of course he came back the with cuss the cuss am i and then of course we just had a whole big thing and then this you know that just kind of came to his natural conclusion. And then this week, when I was rewatching it, I was like, Niall McGowan is watching the fantastic Mr. Fox. And then like five minutes later, notification from Sean German to like, the cuss you are. <laughs> and so I was like, yeah. <laughs> I'm hoping I know I'm somebody else who's coming on the show together. now so I can do it again. <laughs> I always have fun when I see people on Facebook that are like, hey, they're, they're clearly just watching this movie because they're about to come on my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> He does uh, so. Bean also says on the ASAP again. Ah, oh, yeah, I love that. Um, did did Fox say a cuss earlier when Ash popped up? No, no, that, that, that seems like it would have been a good. Opportunity it would have been a good opportunity for a cuss, but his like most iconic cuss on the motorcycle is later. So I think they were saving his cuss for later. All right, I'm gonna try to like rush us to get through the rest of this minute. Uh, I like the shot of the helicopter turning around and kind of flying in the parallel shot in the middle of the sky. And then we get Fox driving the motorcycle just right through the gate of Bean's house and facility. And I area. really relate to the booth attendant who looks real confused as they think they heard something but realize that they've missed it entirely. <laughs> yep. I do love the... I, I just love that shot as well, though, just because it's completely silent as well. It's just... And the fact that the barricade's completely just useless because they just go straight underneath it. It's just like, it's one of those jokes, like, you almost would, you'd forget it as soon as you see it, like, watching the movie normally. But now watching it a minute at a time, I'm like, that's actually a really funny joke as well, that he just skims right underneath it. Yeah. Ah, love this format. And then uh, they pull in and they they park behind some, like, bags of grain or whatever. I have that thing where it says, A Silo. But is it silo A or is it just saying this This is a silo? I had or... the same <laughs> question. Yeah, me too. 
and then they kind of just run around a corner and where they're about to they they found a door that we're about to see but then the minute ends there well we covered the minute guys hey we did it the last couple minutes have either been like all the same shot and the same kind of thing or just so scattered around it's like kind of hard to keep up with like what's actually going on during this whole third act of the movie yeah, uh, the music is still really cool. The It's getting me pumped. It was a good minute, but then I don't know if there's many minutes in this movie that are bad. Like, it's a pretty solid film, <laughs> like, in terms of, like, from top to tail. It's like, no, everything in it's great, so. Yeah, uh, while we're wrapping up, Niall, just uh, any final thoughts on the, the film or the minute? No, no. It's a, again, like a you know, the beginning. I did say like I know one person who who is you know aghast at this movie for having American actors in it and stuff like that. Uh, but everyone else I know who's seen it absolutely loves it, and I can understand why because it's like, well, it's, it's something inherently lovable about it. I saw it uh, when I would have been like, so it came out was it two thousand and nine? I think this yeah. was. Yep. So I would have been like twenty two. So I was like into you know near you guys' age pretty much. Um, so I didn't like grow up with it or anything. But I, when I did see it, because I did love like I love loved all of Roald Dahl's books when I was a kid, um, and I also loved the Be- the Beach Boys. Mm-hmm. So when I saw this, I was like, if I saw this when I was a kid, this would have blown my friggin' mind. <laughs> like I would have been this is the greatest movie ever. So um, that like that opening sequence, like when I was coming in, I was like, all right, let's see, let's, let's see what you got. It was just, yeah, the whole sneaking in with heroes and villains playing, because I absolutely loved that song. I was like, all right, you got me. I'm, I'm completely on board with this movie now. So, uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely love this. I still love, you know, Wes Anderson, too. Like, I kept, I always had a thing with him where, because I loved the style, but there was, you know, after a couple of movies, you get to, like, this guy's going to have to mix it up a bit to, to really keep you, you know, tuned in. Like, you can't just keep doing the same kind of things every time. And I said that before Moonrise Kingdom. And then I went to see Moonrise Kingdom, and I was like, oh, that's the best film he's ever done. So, like, just keep doing what you're doing, Wes. You know you know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, it's it's hard to know how he's going to top, like, Red Budapest Hotel with his next live-action feature. But we can't talk about that anymore. Condra, do you have any other final thoughts? I enjoyed seeing the copter turn around, too. That was the other thing that I just thought it was kind of funny that you see it actually turn around, which is something they didn't need to show us, but they did anyways because it's stop motion and it's impressive to have lots of things going on in one shot. Yeah. Okay, Niall, where can people find you on the internet? Oh, yeah, uh, you can get us. uh, Well, get me and my co-host, John. Uh, We're both doing Bat Minute, uh, basically going through the Batman movies from 1989 up to and including 1997. Uh, one minute at a time. We do it three days a week, and uh, yeah, you just get us. If you just Google that minute, you'll find us. Like <laughs> you on any format, we're on the Twitter and Facebook and all your normal podcatchers. We hoping we've got all our bases covered. I believe we're even on Stitcher and stuff. So whoa, uh, Spotify even. I think I think Spotify. Actually, no, yeah, we, yeah, I did. Um, we are on Spotify now. I don't do that kind of tech stuff. Like, I do all, a lot of the behind-the-scenes, like, editing and stuff like that. But then, in terms of actually broadcasting, that's John's side. And he did inform me that we are, in fact, on Spotify now. So you should be able to get us there if you want as well. <laughs> Snazzy. Oh, so, yeah, a, a final thank you to Niall. Yes, uh, thank you so much for Con- coming on. Oh, no, thanks for having me, guys. 
Uh, Condra, where can people find us? People can find us on the Twitter at Amateur Nerds, or they can find Tyler directly on the Twitter at Tyler Booty. That's at T-Y-L-E-R-B-O-U-D-Y. Also, listen to uh, our show on Stitcher. Uh, leave a review. We're not stuff on like Stitcher. That. Uh, Spotify. No, I don't know. <laughs> Apple Podcasts. It doesn't matter. You're, if you're listening to the show, continue to do that. Leave a review, something like that. We'll, we'll catch you next time for Minute 67. I've been Tyler Boudreaux. I've been Condra. I've been Niall McGowan. And we hope you have a fantastic day. Fantastic.